Whoa, whoa, family podcast. <laughs> Take it please, easy please over bear. there. Take please. it easy. Right, welcome in, everybody, to the Important Nonsense Podcast. I am joined by Mr. Neil Smith, who, by the way, you can find on Twitter, at Nonsense underscore Neil. The, the question on everybody's mind, Neil, is when they check that out, will there be something there? Oh, Lord, I hope so. <laughs> I just got to fix that banner ad and then, uh, or banner ad, the, uh, the No, no, it's a banner ad. ad. No, no, no. It's a banner ad. It, for us, it is. <laughs> it's actually not wrong. But yeah. Just got to fix the header and then, yes, I'm planning on actually officially joining Twitter I've skated on it for as long as I possibly can, and this goes fundamentally against the core of my being. I'd like to just point this out to you, and you're right to do it, to make me stretch myself and get back on social media, but so here we go. We're going to venture into Twitter, dip the toe, and hopefully here, when you check it, as of this recording, there will be actual fantasy-relevant news on that Twitter feed for you. It's like Creed's thoughts on Twitter. It's going to be great gonna be fantastic well that's what it was last season it was a word pad that was just too edgy to <laughs> actually too edgy just, for the real internet yeah. there was no way it would i would have gotten in trouble is um, it wrong yeah, that half my twitter posts right. are going to be about sean merriman's bare knuckle boxing contract and then subsequent record i mean somebody has to follow the mma career of right. hardy so. <laughs> i didn't say mma i said bare knuckle boxing sean merriman <laughs> I know, but Greg Hardy's out there just getting work done for the UFC. I know he won another so. fight, apparently. He I know he's two and zero. Meanwhile, all right, we're gonna we're, before we get too far do down news. that rabbit please hole, do we gotta do we gotta news. start. So first and foremost, uh, Darius Geis listed as the fourth running back on the Redskins depth chart. This means to run away, kicking and screaming, right, Neil? Because that's because preseason depth charts matter for sure. Mm-hmm. Yep. No, this, Especially this the is... initial death chart. The initial <laughs> yeah, exactly. death chart. Not week three, the initial death chart. No, this is just our annual PSA reminding you to uh, completely ignore the preseason death chart. Even, t- uh, even until you get into really week one, you don't need to look at those death charts at all. And in fact, ignore the ones on the website through the NFL, the team themselves. Use our lads. Shout yes, out to the that, guys yes. at our lads. Shout out to our lads. Because the uh, they're always the most accurate, and they're the ones I go to for all that information. So if our lads doesn't say it, it's not true. That is absolutely Uh Jordan Reed, our favorite guy, always in the news, right? Here we go. Shout out to Aiden. <laughs> or, yep. Aiden loves him some Jordan Reed. How you doing, Aiden? <laughs> uh, so Jordan Reed said, and I quote, I've still got a lot of strengthening to do. That according to Pro Football Talk this week. Now, he also said in the same article he feels 100 times better than last season, but let's face it, that's a pretty low bar he's setting for himself. 100 times that toe injury. one is not helpful. <laughs> we mentioned that toe injury before in the preseason here, so uh, you know this is just another reiteration of the caution you should be taking if you are evaluating Jordan Reed. Just get Vernon Davis. Just make <laughs> yeah, sure just you get Vernon Davis to go with that Vernon Davis, yeah. Just get that Vernon Davis. Meanwhile, according to reports, Jets personnel believe Sam Darnold will win the week one starting job. Now, we talked about the Jets a couple weeks ago. I always liked Sam Darnold in Dynasty as a Dynasty ad. That's still obviously the case here. 
I didn't see any redraft value at that point. I still really don't now. I redid my uh, rankings here. I updated them the other day, and uh, I will be posting those soon, hopefully by this podcast being posted. I will have those updated on the website. But I moved up Darnold because obviously you have to. I moved Josh McCown down, and they announced that they're open to trading Teddy Bridgewater, which we'd kind of heard the rumblings of, but as a result of that, Bridgewater is... It's fallen right off my cliff on uh, on my ranks. So I don't know. How do you feel about the uh, the Darnold news there? Well, on my handy dandy cheat sheet here, I moved Sand- Sam Darnold to QB thirty two. That's right. He's officially a starting quarterback in the NFL. <laughs> on my cheat sheet, he's the last guy <laughs> of the starters. There Still you go. Counts. There you go. But before, that was Josh McCown's spot. So there you go. Right. I think he will win that job unless, you know, maybe they want to roll out McCown for the first four, five games or so. You know, they just don't think he's quite ready. I mean, still got a little bit of ways to go. The more interesting one is Teddy Bridgewater because I'm not advocating drafting Teddy Bridgewater. But I'd like to see them trade Teddy Bridgewater, and I'm curious as to where he would go and what that would do. That's that's my interest there. I'd love to see the landing spot to see if sure. it does anything. Yeah. That's my only real note there is when, well, if and or when Teddy Bridgewater is traded, that's when the news starts for me. Also, I like how you very subtly put in there your cheat sheet. So check out Neil's rankings now available up on the website. Oh, yes. Welcome to the website, Neil. We all appreciate yep. it. Everybody was craving it. Uh, by the way, I have Sam Darnold at QB 28, so the real question is, why do you hate Sam Darnold? I don't hate Sam Darnold, I hate the Jets. Well, you're not wrong. Meanwhile... Biggest news of the week, Corey Coleman being traded from Cleveland to the Buffalo Bills. First of all, pour one out for Corey Coleman. Sorry. Sorry, Corey. Already doing it. Already doing it. Got a candlelit vigil for Corey Coleman's uh, I, career. I, t- I tweeted it out. You know, basically fantasy owners saying, man, Corey Coleman's value can't get any worse. And John Dorsey said, hold my beer and just traded him away to that vast wasteland over there in Buffalo. Send him to the north. So uh, what is the impact here for the other wide receivers on uh, on the Bills and on the Browns, if any? Well, I actually want you to do your note first. Because you're no sure. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, for me personally, I I, I was high on Jarvis, as you know. As I said in our show before, as I've said all along, I'm high on Jarvis this year. I had him as a top 20 wideout. I felt really good about it. I had Josh Gordon at 16. I was high on both of those guys compared to both the consensus and ADP. And for me, it's super annoying because I wanted to get as much Jarvis Landry as I possibly could this season, and his price has skyrocketed already. And it's just so infuriating that this little thing from a guy who really wasn't going to have any impact on the team has impacted him to the point it had. Like, right now in ADP, he hasn't adjusted that much, like I said to you. But just from the projections I've been looking at, he's gone up 20 points in projection. Which, if you look at just projections, moves him higher than Josh Gordon to be the number one, you know, projected point getter 
on the Browns, which is just so infuriating. It, look, for those who know me, you don't need to do a whole lot of convincing to get me to start my Jarvis Landry is really, really, really good at football rant. And the Dolphins are just a, well, let's just say that they've mismanaged that because I was on Jarvis Landry when he was at Baylor. Cannot win with him. Thank you. Because he just, he he never got, because he had to play against a bunch of really excellent receivers, one of them being Odell Beckham, that he just never really got his chance to shine. But the thing is, the guy's a freak. He's got insane stop-start ability. He's got huge hands. He has the work ethic of somebody that is a lunatic, as we'll get into later. And he he just – I've always really admired his game, and I've been very high on him for years. And as Steve will point out, he doesn't own very much Jarvis Landry because he plays in leagues with me, where I end up owning Jarvis Landry because I'm willing to pay the pretty penny that it costs to have him as a wide receiver too. And if I get very, very lucky, a flex normally. Anyone and, that's followed me knows how much I love wide receivers and how I follow <laughs> wide receivers intently <laughs> And pretty much my entire draft strategy is draft as many wide receivers as I possibly can, and just the rest of it will fall in place eventually. Just dominate the wide receiver position. And despite the fact that every year I have like eight wide receivers on my team, even though I only start like three, I never end up with Jarvis because somehow it's always on Neil's team. And it's just so annoying. And now the fact that it's going to – I was like, oh, he'll go to the Browns. Maybe he can sneak under the radar, grab me some Jarvis a little later. Now I already know what I have to do. So first round pick, Jarvis Landry. There it is. And then uh, that'll seal it up for me because I got the pick right ahead of you. So I know you can't take him unless you make some kind of crazy deal to get ahead of me, which <laughs> which <laughs> snipe him in the first round, which would just be so apropos. Which isn't happening because I'm keeping David Johnson in the league that you're speaking of. Yes. But yes. the uh, the the big thing is, it is frustrating, and I, I I cannot stress, I love Jarvis Landry to the Browns. Oh, yeah. A team devoid of talent. Yeah, but, and when, when that move happened in the offseason, I said, wow, what a move for them. That just skyrocketed yeah. their whole value as an offense. That he immediately became their wide receiver one, even with Josh Gordon there. And it's not because Josh Gordon is not talented. It is because of all the question marks that always surround Josh Gordon. It is if if okay he would probably still be their wide receiver too, but because of the question marks I view him as their wide receiver one and okay. I agree with the points adjustment that the consensus is giving him as you pointed out earlier because you have to he's their best player like okay if Jarvis Landry isn't the Browns best player and if we take Josh Gordon to one side and acknowledge that he isn't their best player only because of the off-field question marks, who would be there? Who's better? The sound Duke you Johnson. hear is the sound of crickets and Duke Johnson faintly in Nick the back. Nick Chubb, Carlos yeah. Hyde. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't – okay. Do we need to stop and do the Carlos Hyde rant again? John Dorsey. Oh no. <laughs> Drew Stanton. Yeah, Drew Stanton. Yeah. I mean, we can name all the Browns roster. It's just like he, he pretty much cements himself as – the guy. So yeah, well, the only way him... he's probably not the guy is Des Bryant. So are the Des rumors uh, true? Does this mean Des is eminent to fill that gap now on that roster? Because they've said that the ball is in his court. 
I think if Dez gets his one-year deal that he wants, that it probably is imminent. But without knowing the status of the contract, because nobody's saying a whole lot. You have all that money. Why Why wouldn't you? I A one-year prove-it deal. Why, why wouldn't you That's bring That's what he him wants. In? He's been on, yeah. on record. I want my yeah. one-year prove-it deal. I, I say, You have money I... to blow. He wants a one-year prove-it deal. Why wouldn't you? I don't understand how that's going to affect you negatively in the clubhouse. Well, that's the whole thing is when we go back to where we started, Corey Coleman gets traded, and as we'll get into in a minute, they don't have a whole lot beyond that at wide receiver. So you got all that money? Yeah, the money? starter in his place is Antonio Callaway who will now be the other outside wide receiver when Josh Gordon returns. And immediately he was cited for marijuana possession on Sunday. So, you know, the Browns being the Browns. So, obviously you can't count on Callaway. Like, I moved Callaway up in my ranks because you have to if he's going to get the reps. But it's not like he's, you know, going to be a, a guy I'm targeting. You know what I mean? No, and, and if anything, I'm, I'm going to reiterate what I said a second ago. Is Des imminent to the Browns? And the more that this shapes out, I'm willing to go back on what I had said a couple weeks ago about if the Browns sign Des, is it an eyebrow raise at Josh Gordon? I don't think it is anymore. I think they pretty much just told you what it is. Yeah. I think they just laid it on the table, and I think they probably feel pretty good that Des is going to sign with them, and that's why you make the Corey Coleman trade. Now, they might get burnt. There's still no, there's no contract for Dez, but I think what you're seeing is John Dorsey basically saying, okay, I feel pretty good that we have a deal in place here, or at least the principles of one. So Corey Coleman, have a good time in Buffalo, because I got to get a roster spot for Dez. Well, I mean, the best part of that is just that it came out that Sashi Brown evaluated that. And you'll remember Corey Coleman famously is the pick they got for trading down and giving up the spot to take Carson Wentz to the Eagles. So that's how they acquired Corey Coleman, and they got Corey Coleman in the first round. Their other choice was Michael Thomas, who they passed on because Sashi (laughs) Brown said, overrated player, Corey Coleman's the truth. So uh, Cleveland, Cleveland, Cleveland rocks. Learning. The biggest problem, though, is that it's Antonio Callaway on the outside, and, you know, he's no Equinemius St. Brown. So, Well, I just like Antonio Callaway's excuse for why there was pot in his car, which is yeah, it was, it was with Florida. my friends. <laughs> it was with my friends in Florida, and I didn't know the pot was there. And, look, as excuses go, pretty good. Pretty good. I mean, pretty, it, it involved good. an out-of-state transaction. Like, not bad. Pretty good excuse. If you came up with that without a lawyer's help, I'd be really shocked. On the fly? If you came up with that on the fly, I'd be impressed. That's... But all this Browns talk makes it easy to transition, Neil, into our favorite time of the year. Enjoy the event, because it's not a show. I can still see Holmgren down there going, no! Yeah! Okay, so the, the rumor is true. We just traded you. The best place to be is when expectations are high, and it starts with training camp. Hard Knocks Review. Breaking it down. Bring it! Jarvis Landry was the show last night, Neil. There's no question about that, but there were many parts to enjoy. 
first of all, the montage of having no desire during practice with Corey Coleman dropping a bunch of passes was just some intense levels of foreshadowing by the editor. Oh, that was good. That was well-placed. Also, the uh, the day-to-day life of the fantasy guy, like, it, chronicling what happened with Hugh Jackson, which was a horrible situation before the season started, and I do remember all that going down with his brother and dying, our condolences and then his to mom. Hugh Jackson. And our, yeah. Seriously, our condolences to Hugh Jackson. Uh, yeah, honestly. That, and, and in the whole family. That, like, this is kind of a jokey show, in all seriousness. Our condolences. That's and then, horrible. like, John Dorsey came in, checked on him, said you're good. He's in the middle of a meeting with his coaches, and they're like, okay, yeah, whatever. And then he's like, yeah, I just found out my mom died this morning. And they all turn around like, oh, yeah, I'm so sorry. You know, your mom, she'd been fighting that battle for a while. And he's like, yeah, you know, she's in a better place. And, uh, you know, it's been a tough day so far. But, uh, you know, it's really rough. And uh, we're just getting through it. So anyway, this is inside zone here. And then the linebacker. Yeah. And they just go right back into the film session. And that was just, that's the inside look of the intensity and the seriousness that they all take with this. That was that was kind of a jarring moment on the show there. Yeah, there's no uh, two weeks of bereavement leave. Right. Uh, that didn't happen. I That's also like the fact that when the, the service happened, that uh, that HBO just let them have that time. Yeah, that, that, that was wasn't part of uh, That, that was wasn't classy. part of the coverage, they, so I did, I did appreciate that. They did not that. need to show that. that, that I'm, I'm, yeah, I was happy with that as well. And then, of course, you have uh, you have your Cleveland note here, <laughs> the oh, Baker Mayfield. So yeah. no, I'll get into my favorite moment of the entire hour, which is the beginning. It's seven minutes yeah, like in, five, yeah, five and Baker Mayfield like has never been to to Cleveland, Ohio before. Uh, clear, it's very clear to me. And this is somebody who used to live in Cleveland and Akron for eight years. I can tell you a little bit about those places. And my favorite moment as somebody who's lived there is Baker Mayfield in his hotel room, just listing off bad chain restaurants. And then they got to pick one to eat at. It's, it's a Cleveland tradition. Now I will say what Baker doesn't know is that if he was to go down to Tremont and Ohio city on, and that's just a little bit on the, uh, the East side past fourth street, you go ahead, get yourself some nice dinners right there. That's a really great place to eat. You don't need to eat at Bob Evans. Now, this is where I want to get into your note. I love, I love that he where... didn't know Bob Evans is a chain restaurant. Yeah, <laughs> he thought that, that was like a standalone. Yeah, I did not know Bob Evans was a chain restaurant. It is the oh, most Oklahoma thing I've ever heard. That is That is so that perfect. That is just on par. I thought that was just in Oklahoma. I thought that was it. Yeah, just, oh, yeah, there's only one. There's one Bob Evans. His name was Bob Evans. But, we also yeah. uh, were reminded that uh, that Bounty Gate Greg Williams is uh, is still pretty crazy. No, I got a lozenge. Bitch. There you go. Oh, that's like my favorite new drop. It's that is oh, no day three. I got a lozenge. Bitch. Day three every year. Day, day three, three every year is also oh, it could be a drop. Hey, go eat a lozenge. No, I got a lozenge. Bitch. <laughs> unbelievable but we also though what is failed to mention also is 
the way that HBO I handled how Nick Chubb arrives in Cleveland versus oh, how Baker Mayfield arrived in Cleveland was very well done and jarring to me. Now I was kind of bummed out actually because they uh they started that off like you said really well. And they were showing Baker going through the airport and people like, yeah, Baker, woo, and then taking pictures with him, whatever. And then they had a uh, guy meet him. There was yeah. a guy. Yeah. There was a Cleveland Browns personnel member that showed up to make sure he got out of CLE. Yeah. And uh, and Nick Chubb was there and uh, he was waiting for his bag at baggage claim. And just random people were asking him, hey, you kind of look like a football player. Do you play football or what do you do? And then after that point, you didn't see Nick Chubb the rest of the episode. It was really disappointing. I wanted them yeah. to keep following that dynamic. No, they only of showed him his airport fighting. experience. They showed his airport experience, and that was it. His like arrival to Cleveland, and that was all they showed. And I was hoping they would talk to him again, and they didn't. Also, now it's still early. Obviously, this is only episode one. But I was convinced when I heard that they were getting hard knocks. As much as I'm not a fan. Carlos Hyde's homecoming story. I was convinced that was going to be a big part of this, and he didn't make any appearance at all. Now, last year with Hard Knocks, uh, Doug Martin was only in one episode, and he had like a five-minute standalone segment where they talked to him one-on-one, but he wasn't one of the main recurring people that they talked to. So maybe that's what they're doing with Carlos Hyde here, but I was I really thought they were going to push that storyline. But maybe with Nick Chubb there, I they're think figuring maybe later he's not the starter. Get into more of that. That's what I'm maybe saying. Later. I'm figuring maybe he'll get like a five-minute standalone thing like they did last season, but that he's not going to have his own. He'll not be a regular guy. I more just want to know if Baker Mayfield like selected uh, like Denny's or Applebee's. Like that. I, I also like how when he's in the meeting – and they're asking him the question. They literally told him how many times. That, tell us what your signing bonus was and tell us what school you went to. What do you want from me? What? Yeah. What am I supposed to be doing? Well, he what? went to so many schools, you know. Well, he's like acting all, you know, ignorant and uh, douchey. So we call that bakery. And it's just, yes. it's so, it's just so him. Just, well, also, I'm bakery so above is this. trying to plant, as we all remember, trying to plant that flag on an AstroTurf field. Exactly. Like that. So that was not a good look. So basically, not... Baker Mayfield came off exactly as I expected him to. Yep. As a huge douchebag. And I liked Tyrod. As a quick aside, I liked oh, yeah. Tyrod. Tyrod, as I've always that he was said, the first guy there. Great NFL guy. I also loved the part with uh, with Hugh saying, uh, "So you know, what time did you get in this morning? Oh, I was a little bit late. No, no, no. I don't care about that. What time do you get in?" Depends on when we start. I like to get here like two hours early. What time did number five get here? Talking about Tyrod, talking to talking to yeah. Baker Mayfield. He's like, I don't know. He gets here super early. He does his own thing. Okay, why aren't you doing your own thing? Like, that's why he's the starter and you're on the bench. What he's saying, uh, you know, you make the most of your own time here. He literally yeah. said that to him. He's like, you know, you make the most of your time that you have. And that's it, it was a pre, it was unsubtle. Yeah. Hugh. Oh no, it was came, it was awesome. Came was right really at it. Good. Yeah. But then, of course, like I said, the the star of the show. Bless him. You gotta bless him. You gotta bless him. It was the Jarvis Landry show, folks. Oh yeah. 
from uh, the crazy workout of him being every bit the freak of nature we've always known he was. Just from his work ethic on the field, during games you can tell what a freak of nature the guy is. And then to see him working out like that, doing the crazy, like you were saying, balancing on the ball while he was spiking the medicine ball and catching it one-handed and doing those crazy things. It's unbelievable to watch it happen, where he's standing on what is effectively a moving surface and slamming a medicine ball into the ground as hard as he can to try and fall forward and catch it with one hand, and he's just doing that over, over. Just staying there, balanced. Over. Until he knows that he can just grab anything with whichever hand, because he's alternating hands. I don't know if you noticed that. He was going left and then right and left, and it's it was it was insane. It was a ridiculous workout. I'm still sore. Yeah, just from watching. And then uh and then when he's on the field, he makes the one-handed catch. The John Dorsey reaction to that, wow, one-handed, like he'd never seen the tape on him before, was fantastic. But uh, but my favorite part of that was when they show him catch that ball and then break away and score, and it cuts to the defensive guys who are on the sideline, like the B team, and they're he's just standing maker. there gawking with their mouths open. He's a playmaker open. was my favorite part. Was, yeah, and, and, and the quote is, we've got ourselves a playmaker. Like, like they've never seen uh, something so spectacular uh, before. That was amazing. But, uh, the, but the moment of the entire show had to be the speech. Had to be. I mean, of this week for sure, I think the biggest moment was the speech. It's the best 90 seconds in the entire thing. And we can't play any of it because it's just all F-bomb after F-bomb. Like I said, right after that montage, the montage of no desire with the, all the, the pass catchers dropping balls, the, the wide receivers, the tight ends just drop in and nobody caring basically out there. No desire. And, uh, Jarvis Landry gets up in the wide receiver room and just stands up in front of everybody and is just screaming at him like, you guys gotta take this seriously. Because if you don't take it seriously, you're going to continue to be as bad as you've been. I'm not here to be bad. I'm here to be great. He's also saying you're going to get somebody so hurt. You're going to get yeah. somebody killed. He's like, you know, you <laughs> gotta, you gotta serious up here because you know. And it's weird because in Miami he never said a word. And yeah, that's he what he admits, said too. Is that yeah, he, you know, admits, he never like, talked, and when guy. he does, it's powerful. That's yeah. I think that's the point. Is is that when he does open his mouth. It, there's a there's a weight behind it because he doesn't say anything. He pretty much just comes in at five in the morning. We learned and starts trying to catch medicine balls one handed <laughs> off of a balance beam, which is not really a balance beam but a balance ball. And then he does his actual workout, and then he goes to practice, which is what I've been. What, it it leads into a side conversation about what is wrong in Miami, but we don't have the bandwidth for that on this show so we'll table that for a different thing but he yeah at the end of the day you just gotta bless him bless him enough about hard knocks good week we'll get into it again next week and uh the Corey coleman trade next week oh my god exactly i'm I'm so excited for that and they'll have all the uh the recap of the game against the giants so that should be good baker but um baker get some get some baker action ah that'll be good But uh, right now we're going to go under the microscope with the NFC East.
under the microscope. A microscope is an optical instrument used to magnify objects. Under the microscope. Simple as they are, the microscope is no toy. Under the microscope, into the friendship running zone. Under the microscope. Kicking it off, it is your Super Bowl champion, Philadelphia Eagles, bye week in week nine. Mr. Carson Wentz, starting quarterback, coming back from injury. He will not play this preseason, but all signs point to him being ready in week one. If not, we know it'll be big something or another falls. So uh, he's currently consensus number 70 overall. He is quarterback number seven. By ADP, he is going 64 overall, number 5. Remember when he left last year, he was the number 1 quarterback in fantasy football. How are you feeling about Carson this season? I agree with the public. Makes me a little nervous. He was a little uh, bit twitchy. Yep, yeah, I got Carson Wentz at number 5. Oh so, my. Oh my, alright, Carson Wentz, gonna get it done. And it's, I got Carson he, Wentz at four, so why do you hate Carson Wentz? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> That's right. More like, why does everybody else hate Carson Wentz? And I would have to believe that the answer to that is the injury. The injury, yeah. Yep. The, the hesitation there. And look. And I'm not too worried. Of course, yeah. I'm not worried about him coming back either, and obviously. And then uh, it, it's he's at a value where, yeah, you have to pay high to get him, but you know how great he is once you have him, and QB is so deep. That you can cut, handcuff him with pretty much whoever you want, but you certainly know you could handcuff him with Nick Foles. Yep. I like also we like talked to about it with Mitchell the, Trubisky, uh, if you want to play that game. Sure. I mean, but we talked about it with the Browns before, where do you just want to play the Browns QB, no matter who it is? You could very easily take Wentz and then get Foles near the end of the draft and just play the Philadelphia QB and be good. Very true. I have Foles ranked relatively high compared to the consensus for that exact reason, where I actually feel pretty good about the idea that if Foles had to come in, they would just shift to an RPO offense because we've seen him do it before. And I'm not saying Foles would be great, but probably above replacement value. By the way, for those of you that were uh, that were wondering, following up on what I was saying last week, if you were to combine the projected totals of Tyrod Taylor and uh, Baker Mayfield, it would be QB 12. So Yeah, which reopens Again, not recommending it. Not recommended, but it does reopen the conversation. It is interesting. It is interesting. It is, a, it is an interesting move. And then what is scary is the more you watch Hard Knocks, the more that you will get sold that <laughs> both of these guys can actually play football. It's a fascinating process. I've never done the research on it, but I would love to actually... Uh, there has to be something somewhere out there about the correlation between ADP and hard knocks. I would have to imagine. You know that. what I mean? Like I know so, uh, that the, uh, the hype train was just out of control last season for Mike Evans and James yeah. Winston oh, and Cameron and all those guys Deshaun Jackson, all those guys last year with, uh, with them being on hard knocks and seeing how the team was doing. So uh, will the same thing happen here? I hope. Well, not, we could kind like of said, track Jarvis it ourselves informally. By monitoring the Tyrod Taylor ADP and Baker Mayfield ADP as we move towards meaningful draft time in about a month. 
Now that I've completely demolished that, <laughs> let's, let's go ahead and just segue seamlessly into running back. Ah, oh, beautiful. So running back Jay Ajayi, of course, acquired last year in the trade. Consensus 51, uh, RB 20. Uh, he's going ADP at 48 overall, RB 21. I'm fine with that the fact that they're right there on top of it i have him at 62 overall slightly lower i have him at running back 26 so i'm a little down on ajayi i get the idea that he's been in the offense a whole season now and that in the playoffs he actually got a lot of run playoffs don't talk about it. playoffs i know I you kidding me that drop. playoffs but uh we got yeah, emails so, yeah really so ajayi had a uh he had a good postseason, but again, I never look too much into that. You know, people want to talk about, you know, the great postseason that LeGarrette Blunt had for the Patriots a couple years ago, and what did that do for you? So, I'm not, I've never been sold on that. Exactly. So, Jay Ajayi is not a guy that I'm super high on, but well, I don't know how you feel about Ajayi. I have Ajayi at RB24. I mean, I'm a yeah, little higher than you, so. but it's the same region. It's, not something that I'm trying to hitch my wagon to. I'm lower than just about everybody else. And it's more Corey because... Clement and Darren Sproles are super low. Are you high on the, either of the guys behind him? or Not necessarily, but it's part of the reason why I'm lower on Jay Ajayi. Is because Corey Clement has proven that he's actually decent at football. Yeah. So all that really serves my purposes for is that he just subtracts from Jay Ajayi a little bit. And this is Darren Sproles' victory lap. So... This is not something I'm interested in investing in, but it is something I'm just interested in noting. That this is the victory lap, the last season of Darren Sproles. Uh, frankly, Hall of Fame? Hall of Very Good. Hall of Very Good. I'm saying, though, but a guy who had a really respectable career, they're kind of giving him his last hurrah here. It's not really something I'm interested in playing in fantasy. It just bears noting that he's going to get the ball a little bit. They're going to give him yeah. some opportunities. So I mean, look, if you go by projected points, which is what I'm going by, which is why I'm higher, uh, Darren Sproles actually has a higher projected point total than Corey Clement. I have Darren Sproles ranked as my RB 47 based go. on his role in the offense and his not projected points. I'm not going to argue with you. I'm not going to argue with you. And that's 30 spots higher than ADP. So. But he's going to catch jump-off passes. This is my and whole thing. Like, I'm not even saying I want Darren Sproles. I'm just saying he has a role out there. They're going to get all of these guys on the field. They care about the playoffs. Yeah. They, they're they going to play. They're not the playing 16 season. games. They're playing to the Super Bowl. Right. So they're going to keep rotating all of these guys. And we still haven't even mentioned Wendell Smallwood, who has no use in fantasy, but will get used by them in some way, shape, or form. Just to relieve these guys. Well, also, one of these guys is probably going to get hurt, and I, I don't want to project that, but I'm just suggesting the idea that it's the NFL. Well, I think the whole point is here to limit the reps for everyone to make sure they don't get hurt. And if they do, probably, everybody is prob- fresh probably, enough Probably, but there's also a up. chance that it's just the way football works. Speaking there's of guys that guys. are hurt, <laughs> see, that that's how you transition. There you go. Alshon Jeffrey. Ranked as 40 overall, wide receiver 21. Currently going at 52 overall, wide receiver 24. So the public is a little bit scared off. Clearly we've had an influence. I've got him at 54 overall and at 26 for wide receivers. We have talked about his 
issues in the past staying healthy and now how he might even miss the first week of the season we still don't know about. So we'll see if he can bounce back from that. Still something we're monitoring and keeping an eye on. But again, as I said, I'm down on Alshon Jeffrey, but at this point my rank is close to ADP. So I thought I was going to be all out on Alshon this season. Maybe it's possible I end up owning him. I may as well. I have him at wide receiver 24. I'm right there with the public, yeah, which again right on it. makes me nervous. But they're right to be skeptical. He's also, by the way, uh, been doing some mock drafts. He's listed as out on most mock draft uh, portals. Yeah, yeah. So that also is driving his ADP down. I think people that are even casual are just seeing out, and they're like, oh, don't want that. So that actually is helping and hurting. Well, I mean, okay, I'll, I'm going to walk back already. I'm immediately going to flipper on what I already said here, and uh, I'm probably not going to own Alshon, and that's simply because even if he were to fall to me, the guys I have all around him are Brandon Cooks, Emmanuel Sanders, Pierre Garçon, Michael Crabtree. I'd rather have any of those guys because I'm more confident in the roles of any of those guys and the health of any of those guys. Actually, as I look back at this, I have Marvin Jones slightly ahead of Mari Cooper, Brandon Cooks, Emmanuel Sanders, Crabtree, Garson Hogan. Uh, given the injury concern, I'd probably, in the actual moment, opt one of those directions. Yep, so there you go. Already flip-flopped. Perfect. We've done it. We've uh, we're great. It we're all, all the way around. Just mid-season form. All the way around. Just mid-season form. Bless Rounded on in. Nelson Aguilar, 100 overall, wide receiver 44, being drafted basically in the same spot. Uh, we mentioned, you know, Jeffrey's injury history, and Aguilar had a pretty breakout season last year in, you know, terms of him actually showing up. Uh, having some catching decent games, touching the ball for a change, yeah. Uh, if Alshon is hurt or is down for a little while, is Aguilar somebody you're looking at to take a flyer on later in a draft? I have him ranked as wide receiver 47. I mean, it's like, kind of. I mean, but I'm a little lower than even the public, so I probably won't own him. That's just, I mean, he's he's shown potential, but he's done that his entire career. So I'll tell you this. If he can put together another season of actually catching the ball and looking like he did last season, uh, next season I'll be much more interested in having a conversation about Nelson Aguilar. I got Aguilar at 33. Uh, rolling it. I understand it. Competent offense. I mean, yeah. I like Wentz. I like what they do out there. And I just don't like the question marks around Alshon Jeffrey. Whether Alshon's on the field or not, Aguilar's going to get some run, and if Jeffrey does miss any time, it's even more Nelson Aguilar action. I don't want Mike Wallace. I know what Mike Wallace is at this point. I was going to say, we can just move past Mike Wallace. We've spent enough time on the Eagles. So, I mean, Nelson Aguilar is a guy that I'm willing to take a shot on, especially if I can get him at the price of 104 overall wide receiver 44. So, yeah, give me, give me that if I can get it. All right. Zach Ertz. 36 overall, tight end three. He's going at 34 and tight end three. Um, that's horribly wrong. He should be tight end two. I don't know what is wrong with ADP and the public and <laughs> in general. Uh-huh. But, uh, no, I mean, obviously no huge discrepancy there. He's a beast. We've known that for a while. Uh, Dallas Godair, this is kind of a PSA because He's ranked consensus at tight end 44, going at 330. He's being drafted at 272, tight end 29. 
Dallas Godair, first of all, in any other situation, would have a lot better chance of getting on the field than behind Zach Ertz. That's number one. Number two, Neil, what's wrong with Dallas Godair? Rookie tight end. Rookie tight end. Never want a rookie tight end in fantasy. So, yeah, just don't be, even late round, even that late, don't be taking Dallas Godair. It's not worth it. You're not going to get anything out of it. He's likely not going to play as much as you would hope. Just rookie tight end. Unless you're hoping something happens and you can work something out for Dynasty. Or you play in some league where blocking counts as points. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, Eagles defense, third rated defense on the board. They're going as the fourth. I have the Eagles rated as my fourth defense, so I have no dispute there. You have a problem with the Eagles, D? Nope. Moving on. Dallas Cowboys. By week, week eight. QB, Dak Prescott. Do we know what Dak Prescott is? That is the biggest question I get around here. I talk to people all the time that are always asking me, what is Dak? What is, who is he? Is he RG3? Is he Michael Vick? What is he? Where is he in between? Is he worse? What, what, what is Dak Prescott at this point? It's a great question. I have him as RB, I have him as QB25. So I don't think very much of Dak. Uh, he is Consensus has him as QB19. ADP yeah. has him at 19. I have him at 20. Yep. So you're lower than everybody. I am. And it's because Dak is propped up by that rushing floor. So if we get into a scenario where Dak actually has to play the position of quarterback, I am not impressed. His numbers are below par in every category when he actually has to stand in the pocket and throw the ball. They want to make the argument that he was handcuffed by Des Bryant. I don't think that much of Des Bryant, but I got to tell you, if, if you're telling me that Terrence Williams is so much better, prove it to me on the field this year. I will not be owning Dak Prescott in fantasy football. Yeah, my biggest concerns with Prescott are that his safety blankets in Des and Old Stumpy are gone now, so he's got really Old Stumpy nobody is Jason for the to throw to, and. Uh, He's kind of just, like you said, it's, it's the running, that's, that's the most annoying double standard in the entire industry too. Is that, oh, well, you know, the only thing that props up Dak is that he scores rushing touchdowns and gets them rushing yards. And then I say, okay, well then, Russell Wilson's like the number seven quarterback because he's not really a quarterback. No, 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 he can rush. He'll get those rush yards for you. It's, uh, pretty much. How, why is, so why is it so much better to have Russell Wilson running the ball? Than Dak, because Russell Wilson has proven to you that he can do it, and Dak has done it done? one time, one time, and then it went down the next year like it always does in year two. It's one of those weird outliers. I was down on Russell Wilson for years, and this is the first time I've actually kind of come back and said, "Hey, maybe you got to go to it." A little bit of recency bias in that, but uh, I'm just not. I'm not there because QB is so deep as well. There's so many people that I would rather take a, a chance on than Dak suddenly figures it out with what might be the worst receiving corn. Yeah, I'd rather take a quarterback. He's not a quarterback. He's a running back that happens to throw the ball forward occasionally. There you go. He's a smaller Russell Wilson. <laughs> we haven't solved anything by this argument. Don't draft no, Dak. No, and I can't Don't. wait for the NFC West because that's going to be fun. Do not, do not draft Zeke Dak. Elliott. There's no discussion here. Zeke is Zeke. Moving on. Wide receivers. Alan Hearns, Michael Gallup, Cole Beasley. 
I don't even need to bother listing their ADPs or ranks because why? Don't do it. There's no desire. There Look, were so is... many people in Dallas at the convention that wanted to believe in Michael Gallup, and I get it, but save I'd take a flyer. If, it's, sure. if we're talking dynasty, I'd take a flyer on Michael Gallup. Yeah, and sure. sure. In redraft, no. I'm not, yeah, I'm not really interested. No. There's no there's no meat on that bone. What am I getting out of My best case scenario is Dax magically turns into a quarterback. Yep. So no thank you. I, I'm Alan not interested Hearns gets in that. Right. Alan Hearns. Listen to me, people. Alan Hearns was the worst wide receiver I'm just gonna walk on Jacksonville. Away. Not the best, the worst. And yet still consistently, he would wind up starting for people. So just do yourself a favor. Let somebody else in your draft room make the mistake of having Alan Hearns on their roster so that you don't have to deal with the headache every single week. Okay? Just let them make the mistake and you walk away. That's it. Period. End of story. I'm done. Bolitnikovs. Tight ends. Uh, no, hold on. Agreed. Go ahead. Go ahead. Do not draft Alan Hearns. Just, just don't do it. There's 50 guys at wide receiver that I'd rather have before you get to Alan Hearns. So, just, just FYI. Yes. Just, Thank you, sir. That you don't want Alan. I'd rather have Cole Beasley for free. I want winners. Winners for free. I'd rather have Cole Beasley for nothing, especially in PPR. So much more in PPR. The uh, the tight end perplexes me here. It's uh, and it perplexes everybody really. So really, there's a handful of guys. There's uh, there's Dalton Schultz. There's Jeff Swaim. The main two that are out there are Rico Gathers and Blake Jarwin. Now all the reports and everything I've seen at this point is that Blake Jarwin currently has the inside edge at the starting role. We'll see what Rico Gathers can do. For those that don't remember, Rico Gathers was the Baylor basketball star who decided to, on a whim, go for the NFL. And the Cowboys were like, here, come on over. And he's kind of been on the practice squad. And then he made the roster because he had a great preseason last year. And then we and saw him at the like, fantasy convention. Oh, and he's Rico's like seven feet tall. After he had a great preseason, everybody's like, oh, Rico's totally going to steal that job away from old Stumpy. And Jason Witten's like, here, hold my legs. And then he goes out there and just continues to catch passes for no apparent reason. And now they're like, oh, well, it's a clear path for Rico Gathers. And now Blake Jarwin comes out of nowhere. It's just a mess. It's a headache. It's not worth it. Ignore their tight ends. Agreed. You don't want any of it. Just move it on. Defense is so bizarre uh, because they're ranked as defense 21. I actually have them as 14 because they're in kind of that melange of defenses that are meh, that could be something in like the, it's basically like the 9 to 22 range of defenses that are all just who the hell knows. And that's the Cowboys. They're currently being drafted at defense 11. So at that point, it's basically, hey, I need a defense and the Cowboys are there. So I'll take the Cowboys. I have them at 18. Don't take the Cowboys. It's nobody that I'm circling. You know what I mean? I like, like I said, I've got them at 14. I don't, it's no one like I have to have the Cowboys defense. Yeah, I know. I'm not saying you're crazy. I'm saying I have them at 18. Like, don't. I don't want it. Yeah, I'm just saying I don't want it. They're currently going 11. I think that's more just a, the fact of America's That team. it's the Cowboys, yeah. Yeah, exactly. The R's, as my co-host loves to put it. 
bye week in week four. New QB, Alex Smith. Heard of this guy? I hear he's like an old man's Blake Bortles. (laughs) Ranked at 132 overall, QB 18. He's going at 124 overall, also QB 18. I have him listed at QB 16, so apparently I love me some Alex Smith and I didn't even know it. You guys are crazy. Man, I have Alex Smith all the way up at 13. You I'm like that. Alex Smith. You like that? I'm on Alex Smith in like every league. How is it not the R's? How is it not the R's? They're gonna do the same garbage the R's always do. They're just gonna do it with Alex Smith. Do you think Alex Smith can't do that same level of whatever? Just dump it off and run away? That's Alex Smith's whole career. <laughs> I mean, yeah, as I much like... as he is an old man's Blake Bortles, he's also an old man's Kirk Cousins. So yeah, it's hard to believe he can't just replicate what Cousins did. I feel last like year. this is a slam dunk. They're gonna run the same stupid offense they always run. Now, I will say what was so intriguing what about Cousins in the offense was the fact that he could really accurately throw the deep ball. Well, so that can Smith. He just can't throw the intermediate yeah. stuff. Smith can throw the deep ball. He just can't throw anything that's inside of the deep ball. He and the can ball. throw a deep ball. Well, we will yeah. see about this, my friend, because yeah. this is apparently one of my shot calls that I didn't know was happening. <laughs> that Alex Smith is not like low level QB two. So we'll move not, on. Not, and I got him at sixteen. I'm not. No, I'm just saying, like, the public is just, like, just a haterade festival over there, apparently, compared to where I have. I'm five spots higher. That's ridiculous. Darius but, Geis, eh, Yeah, as we moving on. I'm just going to – do I need to even be here for the Darius Geis thing, or are you just going to, like – do we need, like, five minutes? Wax poetic. Yeah. Look, Darius Geis is ranked 45 overall, RB19. He's going at RB17. I love me some Darius Geis, Okay. I think he's going to have a good year. Uh, I'm, I feel really good about him in like the lower tier, like the, the mid flex ish range. I've got him at RB 29 and I thought I was like in the right wheelhouse there on Darius Geis. And the, I did not realize the price tag was so high. Oh yeah. Okay. Now the price tag is pretty high. People are really about it. I mean, look, initially I had him right around the the upper 20s. I have him as RB21. I mean... I, yeah, I had him in that range, like 22, 23. But, um, yeah, it just for whatever reason, they've been giving Chris Thompson the ball a lot more. They, they keep saying they want to give him more handoffs, whatever that is. What's funny is, just... I have Chris Thompson, like, way higher. Just... Apparently, this is my other shot call. I have Chris Thompson rated in a way that I have been RB26. Okay, yeah, see, that's the difference. So I that's... have Chris Thompson at RB22. Yeah, like I have I'm Chris Thompson. I'm super high on Chris Thompson. Yeah, and, he's I, got and, the I, and I don't think I'm not high enough. That's the thing. And... I'm, I, we're way high yeah. on Chris Thompson. We are out of the stadium like on Chris Thompson compared yeah, to his ADP. The consensus ADP. is RB34. His ADP is 41. So the clear split there is that everybody's convinced that Geis is just going to have the entire role to himself, which is clearly not the case. And as much as I believe in Geis, 
And as much as I believe in him having, like, the goal line carries and the touchdown opportunities, I've seen this offense. I've seen Alex Smith check down his literal entire career. So a pass-catching running back... Alex Smith and Chris Thompson have to be rooming together, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, they just just hang out all day? Like, that's got to be how that works. Yeah, I'm all over Chris Thompson this year, and if you're telling me I can steal him... Like, if I just have to draft him in the low 100s... If I can get him at RB30, I'm going to own him in every league. <laughs> like, like I said, and I'm this baking is the in the fact that he's not going to play 16 games. The disparity here is that baking Chris Thompson that is currently going at 115 overall. Overall. I have him at 55 overall. You I'm and I will battle it out spots Chris Thompson higher in every league. On him. I'm literally a full five rounds higher than ADP. The hate for Chris Thompson has gone way too far, people. So, yeah, absolutely all over Chris Thompson. Samaji Perrine, if you're drafting Samaji Perrine, check yourself into a mental institution. Your draft is already so sideways. It's over. (laughs) Jamison Crowder. He's going as wide receiver 32 in uh, consensus. He is wide receiver 36 in ADP, I have Mr. Crowder at wide receiver 45, drinking that haterade. How do you feel about Crowder's prospects this season? Well, I have Crowder at 37, so wide receiver 37. So I'm a little bit lower than even the public, who, like me, was burnt on the Jamison Crowder bill of goods in the past. So that's one of those ones where it's kind of like, uh, prove it to yeah. me. Josh Doxson's rated at 52 and is going there. Paul Richardson rated at 63 and is going at 62. No issue with really neighborhood. No yeah, issue with I'm pretty much in the exact same range with my ranks with those. Yeah. So I'm just lower on Crowder than everyone else. I get the idea that, hey, you know, if Alex Smith is going to have a good year, he's got to throw it to somebody, right? Wasn't that the same logic we just used with Kirk Cousins last season? How did and that work out? I think that out? guy is Chris Thompson, not... James exactly. Crowder. Thank That's you. literally the it. difference. This guy. So, yes. Thank you, sir. This guy totally. Not to make it the Stephen Neal agree with each other hour, but that's literally what's Wait, going on. Wait, isn't that the name of the show? It should be. It. it we'll reconsider. Offenses. We'll reconsider. Yeah. And name to know Trey Quinn. Just a camp name. Guy who came in in the seventh round. Dynasty. Crazy athletic ability. Just freak of nature. So if they can teach him to play football, <laughs> but we know how that goes because he landed in a bad spot for people to teach you to play football, apparently, as we've been proven out over the years. I'll defend that in court. Jordan Reed, as we just mentioned uh, a little earlier in the notes, the, uh, the toe injury, got to keep an eye on. Yep. Vernon Davis is the slam dunk tight end handcuff you would want to own. Got to be. As we have said before, Alex Smith loves to check down to the tight end. He passes to the tight end more than anyone else has. Has Alex Smith ever played career. with Vernon Davis before? Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. So for the people playing at home, duh. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah, they were they were both 49ers I mean, for a good chunk of time on. there. They were yeah. BFFs. So Jordan Reed and Vernon Davis both have this value in an Alex Smith run off. Vernon Davis will play in this offense. So Jordan Reed, I again, the injury always scares me, and you always worry about will he or won't he play. That's the biggest headache with him, because you know if he's ever listed as just out, Vernon Davis is the guy. 
Yep. Simple. End of That's story. why I keep making this argument for the handcuff. <laughs> I'm willing to take Jordan Reed at nine because I know that I can get Vernon Davis way later on. And I, that's just what I'm going to do at tight end. He's ranked at 10. He's going at 9. And the reason I have him at 13 is I'm building in the headache. Yep. I know the talent is there. The reason I have him rated at 9 is because I take the headache back out because I know that if I'm doing that, <laughs> that I'm getting Vernon Davis. And I'm willing to reach around on Vernon Davis because I know what I'm getting. Whoa, whoa, family podcast. <laughs> take it please, easy please, over fair. there. Take it easy. Are we still doing phrasing? Do I need to dump that? Are we still doing phrasing? We're good? We're not doing phrasing. Blessing. Okay. All right. All right. We're good. We're good now. We're not doing phrasing. But Jordan Reed, okay, my my point with the headache of Jordan Reed is every week, if he's listed as out and you know he's out, great. Start Vernon Davis. You're fine. What happens with Jordan Reed every year is, well, he's going to give it a go in the first quarter and we'll see if he's able to go or not. And then he goes in in the first quarter, and he lights it up, and he scores two touchdowns and puts up 20 fantasy points on your bench. No, man, I just play Vernon bench. Davis in those situations. <laughs> right, and then as soon as you start Vernon Davis, then that's when he puts up the 20 points. Yep. And then when you bench uh, Davis and you start Jordan Reed, you're like, oh, he's going to play this week. Sweet. Then he goes up there and he's like, ah, I just don't feel it. I just don't feel it. And then Vernon Davis goes in and goes up. So if you're playing best ball, absolutely. Give me sure. all the Jordan Reed and Vernon Davis combo I can have, because if I can just best ball the Washington tight end, yeah, give me that. But all right. in, in a redraft league, yikes. We've got it. Defense. No, 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 we don't got it. Let's continue on this for another 15 minutes. All right, Redskins 15 minutes defense on, is all atrocious. Right, we can totally do this. So yeah. Vernon Davis, no, defense. No, the Redskins atrocious is uh, defense is atrocious. We don't need to worry about that. So Second. the Giants, Moving on. bye week, week nine. Eli is uh, technically still a Manning, right? They haven't kicked him out yet. I mean, he has I mean, the most titles for life. No matter, I mean, he would have to really, you'd have to do something way worse than selling fraudulent jerseys. I mean, that was thrown out in court. Never mind. Yeah, uh, or no, so, he's got, he's tied. Peyton also has two now. I forgot. Yeah. I always try to, you know, black out the Bears one. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so Eli. 174 overall is going at QB 23, being drafted at QB 22. I've got him at QB 27 because I just don't want it. I don't. I don't know what the offense is going to be. I don't know who he is anymore. Yep. Not interested. Moving I've, on. I mean, yeah, I have him at. <laughs> I have him at 23. So there you go. I'm right in line with the public, which always makes me nervous. A little bit more confident than you, but. It's it's Eli. I feel like no matter what the offense is, I'm going to get the same 2,700 yards, 17 touchdowns, and bemused press conferences. Running back, it's Saquon. You were the chosen one! Barkley. He is 9 overall, running back 6. He's being drafted at 7 overall, also running back 6. I have him at running back 9 because apparently I'm an insane person. Uh, what's your take on Saquon? Are you super high on him, or I haven't run back eight? I okay, so I'm also a super insane person. On mine, it's just again, I don't know what the offense is going to be. It's a rookie, which is scary. That's for me whole, nine. That's actually why I have him there. Is the rookie? That's a rookie yeah, thing. I mean, for me, having him at nine as a rookie is like pff, way out there, super outlandish. 
It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for him. I don't think it will pay off for him, but it's you do what you got to do. Uh, you know, Wayne Gallman was my guy last year. I'm disappointed that that's not going to work out for them because they're clearly moved on from Wayne Gallman. I mean, yeah. And then they went out and paid all <laughs> that money possible. to Jonathan Stewart for whatever reason. Who knows? Uh, not really interested there. in any of it, frankly. No. Beyond, not even for handcuff purposes because I don't know which one it would be. No. So Again, I would that's move another on. one of those situations where – even if you knew the handcuff, I can find a replacement level guy off waivers better than that handcuff. Yep, probably. Odell. He's going at eight overall wide receiver three. Public taking him at wide receiver three. I know I'm low on Odell. I've got him at seven. The injuries worry me. The slow starts worry me. Odell's always a guy who, in a league, I try to target as a trade guy after the first three or four weeks. Because anybody not paying attention with Odell can get super frustrated and just give him away for nothing because he hasn't done anything the first four weeks because that's how he operates. And then he turns it on in the second half after I trade for him. So I don't want to draft him. I have him at four. I'm a little bit lower than everybody, but not quite as low as you. It's just it's the slow start, but it's also the fact that his injuries are always seem to be soft tissue. And that unnerves me a little bit about hitching my wagon. Always Is it Julio you have at three? Is that who it is? No, no. Uh, at oh. three, I have Michael Thomas. Oh, interesting. I'm I'm pretty bullish on the Michael Thomas Saints offense combo. I didn't. I I can't do the DeAndre Hopkins at one because I've still got AB. But yeah, I figured. But I've got uh, Keenan Allen yeah. at six. I got Keenan Allen at six though. I, you know what? I also have Michael Thomas at three and Keenan Allen at six. Yeah. Who do you think you are? I am. I am. Okay. Get, me. Get out of here. With your hey, I posted Weber. my rankings first, so uh, I can Pete Weber you all I want. Pete Sterling Weber. Shepard going at wide receiver 42, drafted at 43. I've got him at 42, so I have no beef with it. Not a guy I'm super interested in, but I'll certainly take a flyer on. Because, hey, maybe the entire offense gets injured and he's the only guy left. You never know. Crazier things have happened. Or that exact thing. Pretty much. I have him right in that range. I'm a little bit higher than the consensus, but it's mostly because I'm kind of baking in that it's not a really deep It's not a really deep receiving core. So it only takes one, and then all of a sudden Sterling Shepard becomes the guy again. Yeah. Evan Ingram, tight end five, taken at tight end six, and I've got him at tight end six. So... He's just in that second tier of tight ends. I'm at five. I mean, it's it's it's. Yep, so it's just the same tight end area. And it's the security blanket for Eli. And then the Giants D is atrocious. You don't want the Giants D. There you go. They are terrible. Do not. So that's want. it. Wrapped it up. Next week we have the NFC South, so we get to gush over Michael Thomas some more. Apparently. Yep. And uh, you know we can see Corey Coleman get traded. Two hour show next week. Two-hour show. Uh, it's going to be good. <laughs> Two-hour two show, and it's going to be an hour and 45 minutes about Hard Knocks and Michael Thomas. Yep. And then we'll, we'll fill in the rest of the we'll NFC South the with the other 15 the minutes. South. We'll do yeah. the Bucks in about 35 seconds. Right, yeah. No, I got a lozenge, <laughs> oh, oh, always on day three. Always, always day three. on day three. <laughs> All right, Neil, but in uh, everybody out there, make sure you follow us at Nonsense underscore Steve on Twitter, at Nonsense underscore Neil. Let's see some tweeting. Oh, there it is. Yep. At Important Nonsense on the Fantasy Life app. 
always on the Important Nonsense website. Neil, everybody, till next week, keep up the nonsense. Have a week. Music for the Important Nonsense podcast is provided by Lee Rosevear, Lame Genie, and Tri Tachyon. Thank you for listening, and be sure to keep up with the latest content on importantnonsense.com.